Amen. Our text for today's meditation is the reading that we heard from Isaiah chapter 55, especially this verse. Come, all you who are thirsty, come to the waters. And you who have no money, come, buy, and eat. Come, buy wine and milk without money and without cost. This is God's word for us today. You may be seated. I'd like to start by asking you a question that I want you to consider very carefully. And I want you to be completely honest with yourself. Does anything get you more excited than free food? <laughs> when I was an RA at Concordia University in Portland, we would have a certain amount of events that we would have to put on for the residents in our dorms. And the one surefire way to guarantee good attendance was by providing free food, usually pizza. As a parent now, I've learned, and I'm I'm sorry Carly and others, but uh, that college students have a great deal in common with babies. Because while Ethan has changed a lot over the first year of his life, one thing that has remained constant is that whenever he sees his bottle, he begins to indicate to us very strongly that if he does not get it in the next five seconds, he will die. (laughs) It's not just college students or babies, though. Do you remember how crowded 7-Eleven was less than a month ago during free Slurpee Day? Some of you are nodding your heads. I remember that day. Then there's Jim Gaffigan, this uh, man who has made a living out of telling jokes about food, like when he recreates this conversation of two co-workers. Hey, it's Bill's birthday today. Oh, I hate that guy. There's cake in the conference room. Well, I should say hello. (laughs) We all love free food. No one wants to miss out on it, and so when there's free food to be had, we jump on it right away. Most of us seem to have a mentality that's captured well by that old Snickers slogan, hungry? Why wait? Well, today in our text from Isaiah, God is offering up free food, and the invitation is urgent and critical. Listen to how pressing God's call is. Come, all who are thirsty, come, buy and eat. Listen, listen to me. Give ear and come to me. Hear me. In just two and a half verses, God uses 11 imperative or justive verbs, which are these words that are intended to command or compel someone to action. It's as if God's voice is being heard in the marketplace where shopkeepers are urgently peddling their staple foods, almost like the vendors at baseball games that loudly and repeatedly insist you spend $8 on a $1 beer. Or $6 on that cotton candy that will literally melt away seconds later. But God's call is entirely set apart. For the food that he offers is of a far superior quality to what you'd find at a baseball game or or even a farmer's market. The cuisine he sets before us is eternally satisfying. Here God is imploring his people not to miss out on the richest blessings that he has to offer free of charge. Are you thirsty, he says, and I know you are. Come and drink. (laughs) No money? Come, buy and eat. Buy wine and milk without cost. Here through the prophet Isaiah, God is echoing an offer he's been extending and fulfilling for ages. The God whose invitation here is urgent and critical is the God who had fed his people freely with quail and manna for 40 years in the desert. 
the God to whom King David had said, the eyes of all look to you, and you give them their food at the proper time. You open your hand and you satisfy the desires of every living thing. And now this God is extending his invitation to all people, to you and to me. This is something to get excited about. (laughs) Everyone gets excited about free food anyway. And what's even more exciting is that God's not just talking about free pizza or a box of donuts to be had. He's talking about eternal life. And he's using the invitation of free food to catch our attention. This isn't the first time that he's done this, even in the book of Isaiah. Back in chapter 25, one of my favorite passages in all of scripture, Isaiah describes this incredible feast that God is preparing for us. There he tells us, The Lord Almighty will prepare a feast of rich food for all peoples, a banquet of aged wine, the best of meats, and the finest of wines. And then God will swallow up death forever, Isaiah says. And so this feast that God describes, this invitation he offers is very real, but it is free food and so much more. It's eternal life with him. We'll talk about that more in a bit. But let's slow down for just a second. Let's not get too ahead of ourselves. There is one small problem. Doesn't all of this sound a little too good to be true? Who offers food made of the finest quality ingredients free of charge? It doesn't make much sense. And in fact, it's not even possible if the world of economics is to be believed. Back in my high school marketing class, I remember learning the acronym TINSTAFFEL. Now, as our marketing majors and and business professionals can likely tell us, TINSTAFFEL stands for, there is no such thing as a free lunch. What this phrase is saying is that it is impossible to get something for nothing. There is always a cost, if not to yourself, to someone else. Or at the very least, to society at large. There is always a catch somewhere. There is always a string attached, no matter how thin it may be. So as we begin to think about this, God's promise of these good things might begin to seem impossible to us, or or maybe even uninteresting. We aren't willing to take him at his word, or on his terms, and we decide we'll be better off fending for ourselves. In doing this, we soon find ourselves spending money on what is not bread. Looking to anything or anyone but God to satisfy our deepest desires. Desires which quickly spin far away from wanting what is good and plunge us into a pit of spiritual gluttony. In warning us not to spend money on what is not bread, God is cautioning us to trust in him and not ourselves to make things right in our messed up lives, to be broken before him instead of trying to impress him with all of our achievements and holiness, to stay faithful instead of being tempted away by by the Turkish delight that this world offers us, movies and shows that glorify sexual immorality, fashionable cultural ideas that mock the word of God in the name of love, becoming enslaved to our electronic devices. But just like Eve in the garden, we see something that looks good for the eating. Something that God has commanded us not to touch, but we stop up our ears and we determine our own menu. 
We take this hungry, why wait mentality and allow it to control us until we can't stop. Like a stranded sailor drinking salty seawater to quench his thirst, it only gets worse. There's a dire cost when we spend money on what is not bread. It is true, you know. There is no such thing as a free lunch. In fact, this is basically Isaiah's message, the first third of his book. There he shouts out judgment after judgment, condemnation after condemnation on God's people. A people who had turned away from the richest affair offered them by, by their God in order to gorge themselves on the junk food of idolatry. We've been talking about how we are right there with them. We too are hungry exiles who have starved ourselves by ravenously devouring sin. But then we have Isaiah 55. What's changed? Well, it's still true that there's no such thing as a free lunch. Anything worth having has its price, especially, and maybe ironically, something as priceless as admission to the banquet that God has prepared for us. But here's how he gets us there. In the last several chapters leading up to Isaiah 55, there have been four sections known as servant songs. The most famous of these talks about how the servant is pierced for our transgressions and crushed for our iniquities, taking the punishment that brought us peace upon himself. As we look back at how Isaiah speaks in this way of the suffering servant, prophesying about Jesus some 700 years before his life, death, and resurrection, we realize that though there is no such thing as a free lunch, the bill has already been paid. The suffering servant, Jesus Christ, our Lord, paid the cost that you and I could never hope to cover when he covered our sins with his holy and innocent blood. He spread himself out on the cross so that you and I might enjoy a spread unlike any meal we've ever had. Anything worth having has its price, and in this case it cost everything. The death of God's son and servant, who made himself our servant by taking on our flesh and knowing hunger, thirst, pain, death. Our spot at the banquet is guaranteed by our Lord's sacrifice. And because he has paid our way, we will sit and eat on account of his grace. A word, by the way, that literally means free, a gift without cost. This feast is for the least, the lost, and the last. In other words, it is for us. Through Jesus, God has made with us an everlasting covenant without cost or condition. His faithful love promised to King David and reiterated by Isaiah. God had promised David that he would always have a descendant on the throne, a sign of God's everlasting love. Thus, David was both an ancestor and an exemplar of Christ, the eternal king who was to come. And Christ has brought us peace with God both now and forever. In our gospel reading from Matthew today, we watched with wonder as this king fed his people, more than 5,000 of them. God was not done filling the bellies of his famished refugees, and Jesus renewed God's invitation for free food. Out in the wilderness, as night approached and the light was waning, 
Jesus gave the people of Israel a foretaste of the feast to come. A tease of an appetizer that hints at the bounty that God can hardly wait to pour out on his people on the last day. A save-the-date card in the form of multiplied bread and fish. There are perhaps a few reasons why there were 12 basketfuls left over, but I think one of them is to tell us that there is more where that came from. Some of that overflowing provision of God is ours today. The king still feeds his people, here and now. For one thing, God daily and richly provides us our daily bread. But this is, in some ways, amazingly, the least of his gifts to us because he imparts so much more. In fact, he gives us himself. As Jesus says in John chapter 6, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will never go hungry, and he who believes in me will never be thirsty. In Holy Communion, we take and eat of his true body and blood, freely given for the forgiveness of our sins and for the strengthening of our bodies and souls. A gift that some of us here today have been enjoying for 50 years. In Holy Baptism, we who are thirsty come to the waters and receive the free gifts of forgiveness and life and salvation. As we hear the word of God so that we may live, we read Mark, and inwardly digest it for the nourishing of our souls. This, my brothers and sisters, is the richest of fare. Something that would break your smartphone if you tried to look up reviews on Yelp. There is simply nothing better. And all of this prepares us for that last day when the bread of life, our King, will return and bring with him the banquet that God's been preparing On that day, we will join in the marriage feast of the Lamb in his kingdom, join together with him as his bride, and there will be an all-you-can-eat buffet. You know, after Jesus rose from the dead, we're told on a couple of occasions that he ate fish and bread. This may seem like an unusual thing for the gospel writers to report, but they did so that we know that when we are raised to be like him, we too will truly eat physically of the banquet that God has prepared for us. And the food will be so real that anything you've tasted before will be nothing but a cheap imitation. In this paradise, unlike Eden, there will be no restrictions and we will be forever satisfied. As John says in Revelation, never again will we hunger. Never again will we thirst. But before we get there, We have a mission. And that mission is summed up well in the words of Jesus to his disciples on that night in the desert. You give them something to eat. Now on the face of it, this was an utterly ridiculous and unreasonable command. We give them something to eat, Jesus? Are you kidding me? We're out here in the middle of nowhere. There have to be at least 5,000 men here with their wives and, and children. All we have is barely enough to feed ourselves. But Jesus was inviting his disciples not to focus on the challenges to fulfilling his command, but the need that compelled him to give it. Standing in the midst of a hungry crowd, almost twice the size of the population of Frankenmuth, Jesus recognizes that the need is urgent and critical, and he provides The amazing thing is the disciples do give the people something to eat. 
as they are the ones who distribute the bread and the fish to the crowds, while Jesus smiles in the background. They had all they needed to feed the people all along because they had the bread of life standing with them. You give them something to eat. God has issued this same command to us today through the words of Isaiah when he said in verse 5 that we will summon nations we do not know. The need is urgent and critical. Our world is starving for truth, starving for the sustenance that only God and his Christ can provide. Like that night in the wilderness of Israel, the setting is harsh and the light is waning. Your neighbors need hope. Your neighbors need real food. And you are the one that God has chosen to provide it by speaking Christ into their lives. You have everything you need to give them something to eat. And if it looks impossible, Jesus will provide more than you could ever ask or imagine. And so this too is something to get excited about. We are distributors of God's overflowing bounty, dispensers of God's great goodness, declarers of God's benevolent proclamation. We are the vendors of the mysteries of God, echoing his call throughout the desperate marketplace of this world. In the last chapter of the Bible, God's invitation is put forth one final time when John writes, The Spirit and the bride say, Come. And let him who hears say, come. Whoever is thirsty, let him come. And whoever wishes, let him take the free gifts of the water of life. We are the church, the bride of Christ, and we join our voice with the Spirit of God, imploring the parched nations to come and drink, the famished population of the earth to come and eat. Hungry? Why wait? Lay claim to God's wondrously gracious invitation and share it with a hungry world. In Jesus' name, amen.